Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. Missouri's public libraries got some good news this week. On Wednesday, a Missouri Senate committee restored all $4.5 million in funding for the state's 160 local public libraries. Now, that funding had already been part of the budget until it was cut last month in an act of retaliation by a top Missouri Republican in the House. The budget battle over Missouri's libraries is about more than money. It's about books and parents and kids. It's about a wave of efforts this year exerted by Missouri's Republican lawmakers who are working to influence what books stay on library shelves, especially books they consider, quote, explicit sexual material. So what does this restored budget mean for our state's local libraries? And what comes next as libraries face a separate set of rules that puts funding at risk? To talk about these issues, we are joined by Joe Colburn of the Missouri Library Association. Joe, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Now, Joe, you work as an academic librarian at Jefferson College. You also work as an instructor at the University of Missouri teaching future librarians. What are you hearing, Joe, from your colleagues and students about the state of public libraries in Missouri? Yeah, I mean, I'm hearing a lot of trepidation, especially amongst students. Um, I'm noticing a predilection to maybe think about moving out of state, unfortunately. I think the uh, Missouri, you know, government is sending librarians a very specific message with mm-hmm. these with these rules. And that moving out of the state is that really anxiety that is uh, that's grounded in in these laws that criminalize the profession. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just because it's been so front and center this year that you know everyone in library school in Missouri is aware of of these laws. Mm-hmm. Now, earlier this year, the Missouri legislature passed a new law that makes it criminal for a school librarian to stock certain books. They now risk fines or up to a year in jail for each book containing what's described as explicit sexual material. Um, how did this law impact your work as an academic librarian at a community college, Joe? Yeah, um, for us, it had us thinking about our policies and worrying that, uh, so we educate a lot of, um, you know, K through 12, pre-K folks here, and people will take some of our children's collection and take it into the classroom. So, you know, we too, as even as academic librarians, could be liable under SB 775. Mm -hmm. And how did your colleagues react to laws that, that basically say, you know, the sort of books that you present could label you as a criminal? Yeah, I mean, not well. It's, you know, like many frontline workers, librarians were already kind of in the thick of it uh, as we came out of the pandemic. And I think this is just sort of another added burden Mm -hmm. uh, to the work that we're trying to do serving the public. And have there been any instances in which you you have been working with, um, you know, people coming into the library and you've had to ask yourself, is this something that I want to give to this person coming into my library right now? 
Yeah, I mean, in academic libraries, we're protect we have an added level of protection just from, you know, academic freedom protections for higher ed. Mm -hmm. um, but we've certainly, you know, talked about this at the Missouri Library Association. Um, we've definitely been talking about this in terms of school librarians who in K through 12 have fewer protections and also don't have librarians as administrators. They usually report directly to school principals, so they may not even have folks who kind of understand the professional ethics of librarianship. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, those folks, uh, the school principals, um, have come in and removed some items from library collections sort of preemptively when they found out that the law was coming down the pipe in 2022. Mm -hmm. And can you talk about, you know, what it would be like? You, you said that you work with um, college students, but a college mm -hmm. student could be 17. Is there anything about you know, working with somebody who is under the law, a, a minor, and potentially giving them something that their parent could object to? Yeah, of course. I mean, we do have we do have minors. We also we do dual enrollment programs. So we have you know kids uh, who are just coming straight out of the high schools as well. So that's a very real uh, potential problem. Mm -hmm. Are you concerned about the present and future of Missouri's public libraries? What questions do you have about being a librarian? under these conditions. If you have a question or comment about this topic, give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpr.org. Jill, let's talk through the connection between state law and budget development. Uh, this state law regarding explicit sexual material is an important piece to understanding what's happening now with Missouri's libraries. So in February, your organization, which is the Missouri Library Association, as well as the Missouri Association of School Libraries Librarians, sues over this law. The ACLU has been leading that lawsuit. And after this lawsuit is filed in February, things escalate. And by escalate, uh, we mean that when the $4.5 million in state funding for public libraries comes into the picture um, at this point, a top Republican in the Missouri House Budget Committee Chairman Cody Smith accuses libraries of using their public funding to pay for that lawsuit. And then Smith proposes cutting all those millions of dollars from the state budget completely as a kind of message. Opponents like State Representative Adrian Plank, who's a Democrat in Columbia, called it blackmail. So that's a lot of explanation leading up to this, this point. Joe, tell us, is the Missouri Library Association using public funds to support the lawsuit? No, we're not. Um, both the Missouri Library Association and MASL, which is the school librarian association you, you mentioned, were membership organizations. So it's just like a professional dues situation that everyone pays out of their own pocket. And then, as you mentioned earlier in your program, on top of that, the Missouri ACLU is representing us pro bono. Mm -hmm. So there's no public funding going into this lawsuit at all. And is there uh, any reason that you can uh, you can point to where people might have some confusion over this, even if it is, it's pretty clear that you are not spending public funds on the lawsuit? Yeah, I mean, I can understand. A lot of this is kind of inside baseball with intellectual freedom and state, you know, uh, sort of state mechanizations going on there. I can certainly see how people would be confused. 
Um, but really, the whole reason we're doing this at the Missouri Library Association is to, to advocate for intellectual freedom and protect access for, for our, our patrons. So that's mm-hmm. really what it comes down to for us. Now, from your perspective as a librarian, um, uh, and you're also uh, with the Missouri Library Association, what is it that stands out to you about this law, and what is it that concerns you most? Yeah, um, I think what really concerns me most is, so earlier in your program, you were talking about all of these um, things that the state legislature is trying to do to uh, basically oppress trans folks. Um, And to me, a lot of the the book bans we've been following across the state and across the nation, when people object to a book and they say that this book is obscene or sexually explicit, what they typically mean is that the book has some depiction of the life of an LGBT person. We're going to come back um, to this. We do need to take a quick break. We're going to return to continue this conversation on St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Welcome back. I'm Elaine Cha. We're picking up our conversation today with academic librarian Joe Colburn, who is a member of the Missouri Library Association, as well as the former chair of that group's Intellectual Freedom Committee. Along with his librarian work at Jefferson College in Jefferson County, he also teaches future librarians as an instructor for the University of Missouri. Joe, before the break, I had asked you um, what it was that stood out to you about this law and what concerns you most. And you were talking about book bans and the connection to what has been happening around anti-transgender efforts. Um, I'd love to have you pick up on that point. Yeah, um, so I think if you look if you look online at the, the most banned books of the last few years, if you go to the American Library Association's website, you'll find that among the top ten are books like Gender Queer by Maya Kababe or um, Beyond Magenta, Susan Cooklin, This Book Is Gay, Juno Dawson. I mean, they're these are all. Uh, all Boys Aren't Blue, I think, was last year's, which is George M. Johnson. These are all books mm-hmm. by and about, you know, the experiences of LGBT folks. And typically what I was saying is, um, you know, when it, whenever someone proposes that books be removed from library on the grounds that they're obscene, what they're typically talking about is that they depict some some experience of, of an LGBT person. Mm-hmm. You know, as we mentioned at the top of our conversation, the big news this week is that the Senate committee is seeking to restore $4.5 million in funding that was cut by the House. It has yet to pass the full Senate. Joe, what was your immediate reaction to the news of that restoration? Does it give you a sense of relief? Yeah, I would I would say tentative relief mm-hmm. um, because it still has to be reconciled before that budget is settled on uh, in May. Um, my 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 initial reaction, along with many librarians, around the suggestion you know to remove it in the first place, the state library is doing a renovation for eight hundred thirty seven thousand dollars 
on their library, which is the library that Jay Ashcroft is directly above. And all of this is going on while they're proposing, you know, going back and forth about removing funding to all of these smaller libraries. I just found that to be a little rich. Yeah. And to this point about J. Ashcroft, there's another development affecting Missouri's public libraries that we should discuss. It's not legislation, but rather a rule that's being mm-hmm. proposed by Missouri State uh, Secretary of State J. Ashcroft. And that rule goes into effect on May 30th. What will that rule do, Joe? Um, It puts constraints on the way that libraries are run. Uh, There's several things in the rule, um, amongst them that libraries have to have collection development policies, that libraries have to have um, the ability for parents to uh, challenge a book. Mm -hmm. Most every library I know already has that. Um, But there are things within that rule that require that libraries put their policies online, and many small libraries in Missouri may have one or two staff members. They may not have broadband access, Mm -hmm. so they may be forced to devote time and energy to create these websites that they themselves wouldn't even necessarily have the resources to use. So it really is the smaller and rural libraries that are disproportionately affected by something like this? Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. And if those kinds of policies already exist, then why why make this this rule? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just kind of a, a paternalistic um, I don't know flourish. I don't I don't think that most libraries need this sort of direction. Like I said, most of most of them are doing this already. I think this is just Jay Ashcroft trying to appear to have control over these public institutions, and that's just part of his, uh, you know, upcoming run for governor, I mm-hmm. would say. So it's, it is driven by politics. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Now, rural libraries depend on state funding the most. Um, are there some anecdotes that you can share uh, about that and how um, funding and when it is reduced or threatened, what sort of in real life effects that has for patrons of the library? Sure. I mean, you know, if you're talking about a library that has very small staff and a very tight budget, you may be talking about fewer programming, uh, reduced hours. You're certainly going to be talking about some collection development cutbacks. So that would be less access to resources, you know, less access to to technology, um, and just, you know, folks trying to go in, apply for jobs, the library may have to reduce its hours. So mm-hmm. these are all things that happen all the time when libraries have budget struggles. What about the timing of this? Um, I mean, libraries and public libraries in particular, when kids are not in school, you know, when they're on break, um, there are many things that public libraries provide. Um, does taking away this funding affect uh, the public service that public libraries offer to communities in ways that people might not necessarily think about immediately? Oh, sure, definitely. Um, any public librarian knows about the, the infamous su- summer reading programs that happen. Mm-hmm. And these are big, you know, this is a big deal in any public library. Um, some of the bigger public library systems uh, in the state, you know, they have they have kind of programs that provide meals. They have all kinds of very extensive uh, stuff going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, it could it could impact something like that. It could impact pro, like youth programming that could help, you know, just get kids 
into the air conditioning. I mean, there's all kinds of, mm. of problems that this could cause. Mm-hmm. We're talking today with Librarian Joe Colburn of the Missouri Library Association, and we're discussing um, this moment for the state's librarians at a time when they're under pressure from new laws, restrictions, and the threat of budget cuts. Last month on our show, we spoke with school librarian Tom Bober, who works in the Clayton School District. Uh, because of the state law that we've been talking about, his school removed several graphic novels, including Gender Queer, which you mentioned, Joe, and The Handmaid's Tale. And he talked about the fear librarians are feeling right now. This fear that we talk about uh, is something that is really become part of librarians' lives. It, it's something that they fear for the books that are already on them sh- their shelves, but it's also something that they have fears about when they talk about looking at new books and trying to decide if that's something that would be appropriate to be on their shelves. They can't review those books in the same way as books that they already have. The um, reviews, the professional reviews and, and the like won't tell them if this particular title is in violation of a Missouri law. And so what we're really concerned about too is that chilling effect of the censorship that that happens, the self-censorship that happens from our librarians because of that fear and anxiety that they're feeling about uh, the law. That was school librarian Tom Bober, who spoke with us um, just a, a couple of months ago about uh, what's happening with books that are uh, being preemptively taken off school shelves because of this law um, that would criminalize librarians for putting um, quote, obscene materials uh, before kids. Joe, do you share any of the concerns that Tom spoke about there? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, and that's one of the things that's, you know, in addition to SB 775, there's stuff about that in uh, Jay Ashcroft's proposed rule that we were talking about earlier. It, it places an undue emotional burden on librarians, so on top of having to do their job, they now have to have this anxiety about whether or not, you know, there may be a paragraph, there may be a small picture in a graphic novel that violates this rule, and then they have to worry about going to jail for a year mm-hmm. on top of all of that. And have you heard any firsthand accounts of how self-censorship is already happening? I would say it's so I've heard people talk about being worried about it, but self-censorship is a very taboo thing um, amongst librarians. It's something that Mm. we're trained not to do and just, you know, kind of exercise all these precautions to kind of be as objective as possible when we're choosing books. Um, But I would imagine there are certainly people who are thinking twice about choosing a book that they know is kind of in the crosshairs. Mm -hmm. And does that, uh, those precautions, is that something that you do in community, you know, with others? Is that something that's encouraged or is a lot of it uh, sort of left up to the individual? In terms, you mean in terms of like selecting the material? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, usually what happens is we try to... um, talk to our community patrons sort of informally and we try to judge based on you know demographic census data and that sort of thing mm-hmm. um, there's all kinds of tools about that um, and you know we'll have reading groups and things like that so yeah we're always considering community and that's usually our first I mean that's the reason why we try to have such diverse collections because we want to make sure that there's something for for everyone in the library mm-hmm. I think that is something that I've, I've noticed at least going to different libraries in different neighborhoods that 
um, what is on offer is not the same, even though it is the same library system. Um, Joe, what would you say is the difference between discretion and self-censorship then? Yeah, I mean, discretion, so generally when we're choosing a book uh, for a collection, we're doing so based on established norms in librarianship and publishing that are usually about what is developmentally appropriate, um, what is interesting, what is current. I mean, there's all these things that we're, that we're considering. Uh, none of these decisions with discretion are based on fear. Censorship, you know, self-censorship, that's something that's based on fear. And as a public institution, the, you do not want your library or librarian operating from that because then they're not making decisions for the community. They're making decisions about their own personal fears. And the public, you know, institution is supposed to be there for everyone. Yeah. Now, you've had your budget threatened this year. And even though it looks like it could be restored, are you worried, Joe, about what might happen if organizations like yours, um, or if organizations, you know, continue to oppose these laws? I'm not, because I don't feel like we have a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you know we all have these ethical principles. Every librarian I know is a very principled person, you know, who's here to to help their communities, um, and so we we are kind of forced into this position by some folks in Jefferson City trying to use libraries as a political football. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, it, we, there may be consequences, but I think librarians have to make this stand. Mm-hmm. And are there any ways in which you and fellow librarians, either formally or informally, are sort of preparing yourselves for like a worst-case scenario? Yeah, I think that's something that every library director does. Um, that's just something you kind of have to do, especially, you know, laws like, like SB 775, they have a destabilizing effect on public institutions. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is something that individuals are always talking about in back channels and trying to figure out what to do. Um, but then on top of that, we have to kind of lead with our principles yeah. and we have to try try to be optimistic about what's going to happen for libraries in the future in Missouri. Joe, how long have you been teaching future librarians? I've been teaching since 2016. Mm-hmm. What do we stand to lose if people who want to be librarians are, uh, you know, they're basically scared off from doing this work? Yeah, I mean, I would say that like any institution, you want to have people working in that institution who people in the community can see them, their own experiences reflected in. And if what you're doing uh, in large part is you're removing a new group of young librarians, then you're removing some of that ability to connect with young people within libraries. Mm-hmm. You're creating some some institutional space that I think is going to long-term be detrimental to everyone involved. And just to close here, what message do you have for other librarians and people who rely on libraries? I would say that um, I think solidarity is very important right now. And if you are a person who likes your public library, please go to board meetings. Please speak up on behalf of your your library and the librarians who work there. Joe Colburn is a member of the Missouri Library Association and the former chair of that group's Intellectual Freedom Committee. He works as an academic librarian in Jefferson College, or at Jefferson College, which is in Jefferson County. Joe, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. This episode was produced by Danny Wissentowski. 
with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is a. This week we had to say goodbye to our cherished sound artist turned journalist Avery Rogers. If they bring it half as hard in Madison, Wisconsin, as they did here, the morning show over at WHA is going to be blown away. We'll miss you lots, like forty-six across lots. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.